Welcome back, guys. I'm super excited to be sharing this next video with you where we talk about the idolizations of pastors and worship leaders. If you missed the first two episodes, go back and check them out. I feel like it lays a pretty good foundation for what we're talking about today. And I can't wait to talk to you about this. This has been in my heart for a long time. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome to the third installment of Changing Church. I got with me a good friend of mine, Justin Hannikin. He is with Christ Community Church, and he is the leader and founder of Ends of the Earth Cycling, which is a ministry that I would actually like you to tell us a little bit about in a little bit. Um, he works as a missionary all over the world, and I'm super excited to have him. Uh, he's been married for 15 years with 100 children almost. <laughs> he has five kids, um, and he just has a wonderful family. And today we're going to be talking about the idolization of pastors and worship leaders. And my first question for you is, why did you choose this topic? I gave you a bunch of different topics, but why choose this one? Yeah, I remember you gave me like nine topics, Colt, and you said pray. And that was the one that the Holy Spirit prompted me with. It jumped out to me. And you mentioned our ministry, Ends of the Earth Cycling. Um, I even have a hard time saying those words, our ministry or my ministry because it's not, it's God's. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people look at the things that we've done and they say, wow, you guys built this. And I try to remind myself daily and remind people that God built this. Yeah, amen. That's a, that's a hard thing to do, I think, um, especially in our culture that says, hey, that's Justin, he runs this, or he does this. And we're almost known by a lot of our titles and, and things that we do. You're right. I mean, even look at some of the most prominent Christian universities, they're named after the founder, right? And so I won't name names, but uh, it's it it. I don't want it ever take any glory away from God. Uh, so getting into this topic, I, I think it's a pretty difficult topic to talk about. Um, we don't want to. I mean, we all love our pastors. Yes. We don't want to be like, oh, our pastors are. They need to change and do this. But the whole premise of this podcast is changing church. You know, getting the bride of Christ back to where she should be, um, back in total love with God and my question is why do you think the church has become more about the speaker than the scripture or why do you think that it's more about the presentation than it is the praise of God I feel like it's just easier to sit and be fed by someone else um, rather than doing like the Bereans did and searching the scriptures ourselves daily um, to me that is a, a broken uh, system that we've created over over decades in the church, especially the church in America, where we haven't created a lot of space for people to study the scriptures themselves, study the scriptures together. Um, I, a verse comes to mind from from First John chapter two, um, and and it was it was a specific uh, writing, but it says, um, therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise he has promised us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, that is true, and it is not a lie, and just that it has taught you, you will abide in him. I, I feel like abiding in him... Um, if, if all we ever do is just trust someone to feed us, someone to teach us, and we never learn to, to teach ourselves or teach others, 
uh, it, it seems to me like, like a like a broken system. What do you think? I am 100% with you on that. Actually, I want to get a little deeper into that in just a second because I think that's a, that's a huge point. Um, when we rely solely on someone else to feed us, I think, um, A, we have to double check ourselves and say, hey, am I in this for God or am I in this to be comfortable? Um, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, the first thing that came to my mind when we started talking about this was Colossians 1.18. And it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And that's, of course, referring to Jesus. And I think it's so easy to forget he is the head of our church. It actually is not our pastors. They're just shepherds. They're just there to tend the sheep. They're tending the flock. And yet at the same time, I think a lot of, a lot of times we look at, at our pastors as the head of the church. So I want to ask a tough question, but before I do... I also want to look at something in Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Peter says this. He just healed somebody that was lame. The guy's 40 years old, and he's been lame for probably a while. We don't exactly know how long he's been lame, but we know his age, and we know that 40 years old is, is what it's telling us. It says, When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you, that basically that they healed him? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? And when I see that, I just see the humbleness. And um, Peter's not always the most humble of guys, but I see that and I say, wow, he gets it. He is taking an amazing situation. How many times we say, oh, pastor, that's a great message. Or, oh, you, you run such an amazing ministry, Justin. You know, look at all the stuff you do. Mm. And people are, oh, thanks. You know, I appreciate it. And really, it has nothing to do with us. Mm. Even this podcast, when I, when I started, um, I was like, God, you know, whether I preach to one person or two people or whether I preach to, you know, a couple hundred people, it doesn't matter as long as I'm preaching your word. That, that's kind of been my heart behind it because for me, I don't know about you, for me, pride's always, a, always an issue. Absolutely. And that's something I've struggled with. And that brings us into the next question. Um, do you feel that pastors and worship leaders care more about the presence of God or the presence of people? Yeah, I, I feel like our inclination is to take um, numbers and, and think that that equates to success. And so we'll look at the size of a gathering. We'll look at the number of people in the seats or the number of people who show up for, for this event or that event and, and automatically say, wow, that was successful. But if the presence of God is not there, yeah. <laughs> there is no success. Like you've just done a man uh, centered event in your own power without the Holy Spirit and that is not going to last into eternity. That's going to burn up. It, it almost seems like what's the purpose of that point if you've, if you've taken Christ out of it? Exactly. Um, now I have heard this said and I, I, wanna, I don't ever want to play devil's advocate because I don't advocate for him. Just FYI, don't advocate for the devil. It's never, bad. Never. Um, but I've heard this said before but without people the presence of God won't matter. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what does that phrase mean to you? Because they're, they're basically saying, well, if people don't show up to church, if we don't do stuff to make them comfortable, then if God shows up, it doesn't make any difference because there's nobody there to see it. In the scriptures, um, when God, when the presence of God fell, in, in a lot of instances, it was to one person in one area. Yes. Like he would show up, 
with a direct message in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus to Saul of Tarsus, right? And, and yeah, there were a couple other guys there that, that Paul had with him that, you know, eventually helped him up and got him. But ultimately, you don't see God picking and choosing when he's going to show up based on this like large quantity gathering yeah. it's 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 not unlike him to show up to one or two people yeah wouldn't you think oh without a doubt um even i, I look at a lot of the old testament stuff i mean jacob wrestled with god mm. it wasn't jacob and so and so and so so i mean moses he goes and gets the ten commandments and meets with god he sees god in the burning bush um i mean you see god whispering to just one man you see all these instances of god being personal and I love that fact. We talked a little bit about that last week, about the personalness of God and how he comes direct to us. Um, I know Christianity sometimes can be sticky. Um, we've seen some very strong Christian leaders fall, and uh, some have even denounced the faith. Um, do you think that has to do with the elevation of worship leaders and pastors? I mean, we could take some examples. You have... Jerry Falwell, who had fallen into a sin problem just recently. You have Rob Bell, who decided to be a Unitarian and believes any road leads to God now. Um, you have multiple Hillsong worship leaders who've denounced the faith and said, I don't even believe in God. It breaks my heart, and, and, I, know, and I know it breaks your heart too. And, and anytime I see a particular pastor start to be talked about a lot, anytime I see um, us in American Christianity putting a man on a pedestal, I think to myself, it's only a matter of time, right? Yeah. Like what did the scriptures say? Pride comes before the fall. It's only a matter of time uh, when we have elevated that person and said, wow, God is using this guy, but man, he's something special. He, he's really articulate. He can heal. He can this, he can that. Okay. We have taken the glory of God and the praise of God. We projected it on man. Watch how quickly an affair comes. Watch how quickly embezzlement comes. Watch how quickly, shortly thereafter, you see them tumble and fall time and time and time again. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, we see it all the time. We see great people that were phenomenal of faith, especially like I, I take somebody like Rob Bell, who I watch videos. I used, to, I used to really admire this guy, very, very, a lot of respect for him. And here we are now where he believes in something that is anti-christian um jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life and rob bell says eh, he's one of the ways he's maybe mm -hmm. one of the truths um and he's taken that one of the things I, I i definitely want to talk about as well is you know i don't think it's entirely pastor's faults um i, I want to kind of echo that that acts 13 again where basically peter says hey it's not of our godliness. It's not of anything we've done, but it's all of God. And they kind of point back. And, and when you see these people falling, when you see these people having issues, I feel like they weren't ready for the attack. Does that make sense? Where they've been elevated to a position, which we're technically not supposed to do. And now the devil sees the amazing work that God's doing in their life. And he starts attacking them, attacking them. And they don't put on that armor of God. And I feel like a lot of times when we elevate people, a, they, they are attacked, um, and that's a very real thing. But I, I think we don't stand around our pastors a lot either. Um, I think that it's not always the pastor's fault. Over time, we've made people so dependent on pastors, like you talked about earlier, and dependent on worship leaders, instead of being equippers, where we're equipping people to go out, we've actually um, made them dependent on us and dependent on other pastors. 
at times I feel like as a church body as well, we tend to serve the pastors instead of serving God. Where, hey, how, how can I help the pastor? How can I do this for the pastor? And I, I want to, if it's okay with you, I just want to give a shout out to my pastors. Um, pastor Gray, Pastor David. They are the most amazing people because they serve. The way they serve is their leadership. Um, they don't, I've, I've seen pastors, and I'm sure you've seen pastors as well, go to different outreaches, go to different events, and basically sit around like a CEO. Like, hey, yeah, um, that's good. You guys are doing all this stuff over here. That's, that's really cool. And they kind of just CEO it, is, is how I say it. But my pastors are a little different. My pastors will be the first ones in the mud, the first ones in the muck. Um, there's a homeless ministry and there's somebody on the ground. They're going to be over there ministering to them, helping them. They're just, they're amazing people. And I, I want to give them props for that. Not all pastors are like that. I think that's what we're, we're supposed to do as pastors. I think uh, a pastor is a shepherd of the sheep. And if you don't model for the sheep what to do, then they'll never know. And and uh, my pastor, Chad Wolfett at Christ Community Church, same thing. Um, he has an, an understanding of, of church leadership that you and I have discussed before, a plurality of leadership. He sees himself as an under shepherd of Jesus. He always reminds us that Jesus is the true shepherd of the capital C church and even of our church, you yeah. know? And so I'm an associate pastor, uh, very part-time at my church, but my pastor sees himself as first among equals and substandard to Jesus, that Jesus yeah. is pastoring and shepherding our our congregation, and uh, and again, uh, you gave a shout out to your pastors, man. I'm thankful for Pastor Chad Wolf and the way he models this for our for our for our flock. That's awesome, and, and I almost hesitate to say this, but it's kind of crazy to see how rare that is. Yes, I know you've been a part of churches. I've been a part of churches um, where the pastor is a CEO or the pastor is above everybody else, and it's just kind of crazy to see. Oh well we don't know the answer on this or we don't know what to do on this. So we're going to put it before the pastor. And, I'm, and my first thought is always, well, why don't we just, why don't we put this before God? Yes. Why don't we pray and fast about this? Why don't we put this before the almighty and come to an agreement? And not that, not that pastors are, are not capable of doing that. But like you talked about the plurality of leadership, being an under shepherd. I, I love that phrase. And in Mark ten forty five it says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I try to remind myself of that so often because I get, me personally, I get to the point where I'm like, oh, look at how much stuff I can do. Look at how much stuff I can do. Mm. Look at all these ministries I can be a part of. And God's like, are you serving my people? Mm. Are you mm. feeding my sheep? Yeah. You know, are you tending the lambs? Like, are you, are you serving me? Or are you serving ministry? Are you serving me? Are you serving pastors? Are you trying to please people? Or are you trying to please God? Well, you, you hinted at this a little bit earlier. And have we been part of the problem? Have we built up our pastors and put them on a pedestal? And so I want to share a verse from Ephesians 4, 11. And it's talking about um, the church. And Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And I think, Colt, one of the things I've seen in the last couple of decades in America is that we will project all five of those positions and all five of those anointings on one man. We will expect our pastor to be an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And then you have Jesus in the gospel saying, don't call anyone teacher. Yeah. And that teachers will receive a double judgment for what they teach. 
Can you imagine the weight of trying to carry all five of those mantles? I'm, I'm just smiling ear to ear right now because you actually used the next two verses I was going to use. So Ephesians 4.11 was right there. And then the next one was, Jesus goes out and he says, let no one call you rabbi. Mm. Let no one call you teacher. Let no one call you father. You know, because you have one father in heaven. You have one rabbi. You have one teacher. And I love that because so often I look at all the people around me because it's easy to see. It's easy to look around at pastors and see them and say, wow, look at that person. Look at this amazing man. He's serving God. He is, you know, you can say whatever ministry he's doing. And then the thing that I have to remind myself is right after that in the verse, Jesus starts chastising the Pharisees. He says, yeah, you guys, you guys go out and you speak in, in the town squares and you have these elaborate prayers and you, you go and you do this ministry and you do this and, and you, you say all these verses and things you know, but you don't even know me. You don't even know when the Messiah has come to save the world and you miss it because you're so worried about all these other quote unquote ministries. Um, one of the things that you, you talked about a little bit ago was the making of disciples instead of dependents. What do you believe that pastors are called to do versus you, you, we talked about, you know, we've kind of given them all these titles and all these things. What do you believe pastors have been called to do? Yeah, I, I go back to that idea of a shepherd, of protecting the sheep and um, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so in, in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think myself as a pastor, if I can help to, someone to walk in the good works that Jesus has called them to, um, to, to allow and equip them to serve him and to, to function as part of the body, um, I feel like com that, that coming alongside, that, that helping, that uh, serving alongside of, like you mentioned, um, is, is absolutely crucial. And I love that first part of that verse too, because it says you are God's workmanship. And the word workmanship actually, it means masterpiece. It's not just like, hey, I made something. It's no, this is the best of the best. Mm. This is the Rembrandt. This is the, this is, you know, that, that perfect symphony. This is, this is my masterpiece. And then he says, for those good works. Yes. To walk in them. And I think so many times we've actually taken pastors and we've made them almost like a principal of a, a school. Yeah. Instead of like a spiritual mentor. And I think that's exactly what you're just talking about. You know, a spiritual mentor gets down. He walks those things out with you. One of the first times I felt like I really had a spiritual mentor was on a mission trip where they walked that faith out with me, where they said, hey, let's go talk to this person over here. Let's go and actually minister. Let's not just sit back and, and sing praises to God or sit back and preach. Let's go actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, and if we expect our pastor to do everything if we expect like we pay you so you are the one then we don't actually believe ephesians 2 10 is true we don't yeah. actually believe ephesians 4 12 is true that says that his job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ because you you mentioned to me all the time how passionate god is about his bride he wants a pure bride he wants he wants an effective bride yeah if we, if we expect our pastor to do everything, we just sit back and go about our everyday lives, we're, we're missing the whole point Amen. of the church. Amen. And, and speaking about that, I know you are into missions. That is, that is 
I want to say, the heartbeat of Justin Hannigan. Um, I want to talk about a couple things about missions in particular. What does a pastor look like in some of these other countries? Yeah, so you mentioned earlier ends of the earth cycling, and um, we have the chance to host Christ-centered cycling tours that shine spotlights on different countries and different youth ministries around the world. And so when I travel to places like India and I meet the pastors there, many of them are working a full-time job and not shepherding one flock, but sometimes cult three different flocks in three different villages, sometimes up to five. Wow. And so imagine you, you work a full-time job on a, on a Tuesday night, you get off work and you're going to go preach and minister underneath of a mango tree to 50 people. Um, and then the next night you're going to, you're going to work your full-time job and then you're going to travel 50 kilometers away and you're going to go minister um, under, under, underneath of, of a different mango tree and you have five congregations that you're trying to, to raise up. And I'm sure they just get in their car and drive over there, right? No, man. Like, you know, <laughs> public transportation, bicycles, motorcycles, but, but ultimately many of the pastors I've met, they haven't, they haven't a vehicle to do that. Yeah. And oh, by the way, they have a family and kids and oh, by the way, they get persecuted along the way. Yeah. Hello. Now, you were talking to me about when you went to India, how they treated you. What was that like? How did they treat you oh, as a speaker man. over there? It was tough for me because I was I was coming from America. I've, I've been there six times by, by the grace of God. But I would come in and, and walk in the back of, of, of a meeting, of a gathering, and I would see, you, you know, the, the boys on the, on the one side and the girls on the other, and they sit on the floor. I mean, there are no chairs. They're on mats. And I would just want to sit with them. And uh, they would say, no, you're our special guest. You need to sit on the platform. And I would you know, start to take my shoes off like everybody else does. And they would say, no, no, you leave your shoes on. And Colt, I'm thinking that whole time, like I'm like, I love these people, but the scriptures are so clear about giving a place of honor and worship about, about how you shouldn't desire that. Yeah. I just wanted to take my shoes off and sit on the floor with the young guys. I wanted to be with them and they were like no we want to honor you and put you up at this high place and it was hard it was really hard for me to discern what was good and right in that moment because what they were telling me to do was not what the holy spirit is telling me to do and it's crazy to see at the same place you can have a pastor who's persecuted and uh there's actually a school in india that um when i was in college we we had worked with and that school will equip you as a missionary and they will send out the Indian people. You go in there, you learn about Jesus, and, and there's not really an easy way to get Bibles over there. So a lot of times, you know, they will go and they'll learn at this school. And when they leave, they actually have a creed that talks about until death, we will preach the word of God. They're given a bicycle and a one-way ticket. And many of them don't make it back. Many of them are persecuted. Um, it's, it's fairly common for people to be beaten over there for the word of God. Yes. Um, and yet to take that and look at somebody who's willing to do that, and then at the same time, you see a speaker come over and they, and they say, oh, we're going to give you the best. We're going to give you this. And, and I know in their heart, they're saying, hey, we want to show you love. But at the same time, you know, like it says, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Yeah. And I think that's awesome that, that your heart's there. Um, I, I know in, in Romania, uh, we talked a little bit about Romania. Um, I have a friend that lived and grew up in Romania. And he actually was telling me about a service that they went back for. And their village, it's, it's a restricted country. Um, is it still restricted today? Um, not as much as it used to be. 
Okay, so it used to be very restricted where you couldn't have the Word of God, um, you couldn't have a Bible, you couldn't speak the Word of God. And they had a small church um, of maybe a couple hundred people, and they brought in somebody that had the Word of God to read the Bible. They were so excited to get the Bible, so they all go into the schoolhouse. They fill out the schoolhouse to the point where there's people outside, everybody's standing, they're side by side, and for five hours, they just read and spoke and preached about the Word of God. And it's so awesome to see that versus, I, I know today our churches, they're like, hey, it's, hey pastor, you, you're five minutes over. Like, you, you need to stop. Like, we got to get to Denny's. Yeah. Like, we're hungry. You know, we're uncomfortable. It's, how do you see the difference in that with, with pastoring someone like that versus pastoring American churches? I was first um, exposed to the things you're talking about by David Platt. And David Platt, he wrote about this in Radical, and he talked about how when he would go travel, these people were so hungry for the word that six to eight hours a day, he's teaching them uh, in, through entire books of the New Testament. And then when we started to try that and started to, to, to pursue that same thing, uh, we, we saw the same response. We saw a hunger for the word of God, a desire to... to absorb as much teaching as possible and then to apply the teaching M many times we would do a three-hour training a four-hour training and uh we would wrap up with some tea and maybe a small meal and our 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 affiliate over there david he would say uh, justin all of the pastors that you just that you just taught and trained they are now going to go back to their villages and evangelize right now based on the things that they learned over the next five and six weeks because we were teaching out of the book of titus he said they will teach over the next five and six weeks, the very things that you just taught them in the book of Titus. Wow. They immediately put it into action. And I feel like that's what we, we lack a lot of times in our American churches is we expect our pastor to make us feel good rather than tell us the hard yeah. truths and say, okay, I just taught you on fasting. Now go fast. Yeah. I, I think exactly what you're saying right now, you know, pastors have kind of, and, and I don't think it's a, it's a, Hey, this is our pastor's fault or your pastor's fault or this pastor's fault. I think just the American church in general has changed what pastors are supposed to do biblically and made it into something that's more of a comfort. And I, I believe in my heart that, you know, pastors are supposed to be the first of the servants. You know, it says they're gonna be judged more harshly, which that's a scary thing too. Um, if you're a pastor out there and you hear this message, always be submitting, submitting to God and just see where God leads you. Proverbs says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I always try to put that in my mind because I always think, I'm, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to do this. It's awesome. God's like, I don't need you to do that. I just need you to love me. And when I look at these and I look at this and I see Jesus, he says, go forth and make disciples. You, in that instance, were being a pastor. You were making disciples. And the purpose of a disciple is for what? What do you, what do you raise disciples up for? To make more disciples. To make more disciples. Yeah. The whole point of, it, of a disciple is to emulate the rabbi, to emulate the teacher so they can go out and teach mm -hmm. that gospel and then they can raise up disciples and, and just this awesome biblical model. And a lot of times today, we've, we've taken that model, we've just, we've perverted it. Yeah. I, I think you're 100% right. It, it probably breaks my heart more than anything else is to see people going to church every week and hearing some nice things, hearing some words from a pastor and they could possibly be on their way to hell in a comfortable position on a road that they think that they're not on. Mm -hmm. 
instead of being made a disciple to go forth in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's a lot of the reason that we're doing this today and we're doing changing church. Mm-hmm. Like I talked to you before, it's never been about the church is horrible, the church is this, the church is that. It's about God loves the church and the church needs to be the bride of Christ. And anything else you want to say before we wrap up here? I just think back to a defining moment in my life where I was being discipled and, and God was using my, my local pastor, but I was also being discipled by the Passion Movement, by Louis Giglio and, and a lot of those guys. And I remember um, watching them, guys like John Piper and Louis Giglio, and, and I would pray and I would say, God, make me the next John Piper. Make me the next Louis Giglio. Make me the next Francis Chan. And God convicted me, no. I, I didn't I didn't call you to be them. I called Amen. them to be them. Yeah. I called you to be you. And so for me, it looks totally different with a cycling ministry. It looks totally different with adopting two kids and, and doing things that he called me to do. I mean, what do you think about that? I think you're 100% right. Um, I've tried to find my place in church for the longest time. Um, I worked as you, you were, when I first met you, I was working as a youth pastor at a church. Um, I went to a bunch of different churches and was told, actually, you don't have the qualifications. Hmm. And um, that's another topic we're going to get into here in a, in a couple weeks. Um, but everything was, as I looked around all these churches and I looked around all these things, I was told, you're not, you're not enough. You're not what God wants. Hmm. And for me, God spoke to me and said, look, I don't want you to be like everybody else. Kind of a little different than what you have, but in the same same exact notion of, I don't want you to be like everybody else. I want you to be like me. Yeah. And when you're like me, I can use you. And for me, that was kind of my journey. Mm-hmm. And that's led me to the church I'm at now. Um, and I, I love my church to death. This, is, this has been one of the most biblical sound churches that I've been to. And I am almost to that point where I'm like, God, make this sure, make sure this is an idol in my life. Yeah. Make sure I'm not idolizing this church because they are doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the only thing that should be in that position is God. Amen. Well, thank you very much. If you guys like this video, like and share it. And I hope we see you next time on Changing Church.